Well, today I want to talk to you about, about hope. And hope is really just this sense that the best actually is still to come. I don't know if you remember the movie Back to the Future. It was uh, filmed in 1985. Any, any Back to the Future fans out there? Janessa, I see that hand. That's awesome. Uh, well, the, the movie takes place with Marty McFly, and he hooks up with this uh, Doc Brown and a souped-up DeLorean. And the, the first movie, they actually travel back in, in time, which was the best of the Back to the Future movies, in my opinion. In the second movie, though, they travel into the future. They travel 30 years into the future, which lands them on October 21st, 2015. Uh, anybody feel, feel old yet? 2015. That was 30 years into the future at the time. Uh, but the movie, they got some predictions right. They got some predictions wrong. A couple of the wrong predictions. They predicted that our, our tennis shoes would be able to lace themselves up at this point. Uh, they also predicted that phone booths would have fax machines in them. They got that one wrong. Uh, they also predicted hoverboards, uh, which we do kind of have a version of those, but not like they have in the movie, which would be amazing. Uh, and they also predicted flying vehicles, flying cars would be a common, common vehicle in your garage. We don't, we don't have those yet, but, but here's what they did get right. They did predict that flat screen TVs would be a part of uh, virtually every household. They predicted that there would be, be flying drones if we could imagine it at that time. Uh, and they even predicted that there would be video conferencing as a part of everyday life. But perhaps the most amazing thing that the movie predicted, in my opinion, the most offensive thing that the movie predicted is that the Chicago Cubs would win the World Series in 2015. And now I don't know if you're baseball fans out there remember, but, but you talk about hope. I mean, 2015, the Cubs were filled with hope, not only because of this prediction from Back to the Future, but they actually had a, had a pretty good team. The only problem was that the Cubs had not won a World Series in 107 years in 2015. They only had one postseason win. And you know what keeps Cubs fans going? It's, it's one phrase, maybe next year. Maybe, not this year, but, but maybe next year. It's a lot like Raiders fans. Not this year, maybe, maybe next year. Uh, but, but you know what, what Cubs fans started saying in 2015? Maybe this is our year. Maybe now is our time. Maybe we are the team of destiny. Maybe Back to the Future actually got it right. And sure enough, 2015, the Cubs got super close, filled with hope, possibility for the future. And then 2016, the Cubs broke their losing streak and won a World Series. But this idea of, of maybe next year, maybe 30-year hope, it's, it's kind of a fuzzy hope. It's nothing compared to the clarity and the excitement of hope for today. Today, hope says, today is my day. This is my moment. I was made for such a time as this. And my concern is that, that, that someday hope is what a lot of us as followers of Jesus live with. We live with this someday hope in the sense that, that we get saved and that's like a one-time event in history. And then you get baptized and that's a one-time event in history. And then you die and you have this hope for a resurrection or an afterlife. And that's a one-time event in, in history. But in between those things, we just try to be good. Maybe we call out to God when we're in trouble. 
but we pay our taxes and just kind of go through this rhythm of life. But Jesus didn't come to be a one-time event in your life. He's not merely a someday hope. He's not a maybe next year kind of kind of hope. He is a today, present, right now hope for our lives. And he wants to meet you every day, not just someday. And he wants to fill every aspect of your life with hope. But if you want a better life, we need a, we need a stronger hope. And that's what we're going to talk about today because Jesus didn't just come to be a one day hope. He came to be a, a this day hope, a hope strong enough that we can actually build our lives on all that he is. Well, this is our, our final week of our series, Jesus Is. And I don't know about you, but I've loved this series that we've uncovered and looked at different aspects of, of who Jesus is. And, and I'm honestly, I'm super fired up for this next series. I've been I was talking to uh, someone earlier today, just saying, man, I can't wait for the fall because I've been digging in already, kind of preparing for that. And, and so on game day weekend, kickoff weekend, September 12th, we're going to be launching a brand new series uh, through the book of Philippians. We're going to be going verse by verse through the book of Philippians. I encourage you to start reading it now, start studying it as uh, we take a deep dive. If we hold true to the teaching calendar, we're going to be in the book of Philippians till about March. And so, so buckle up, buttercup. It's going to be awesome because the book of Philippians unpacks joy. How do we live a life of joy? It unpacks how do we live as followers of Jesus with unity? How do we conduct ourselves, not as citizens of earth, but of citizens of heaven while we are on earth? It unpacks how, how do we pursue goals? How do we take hold of goals? How do we take hold of what really matters and press on towards the goal that lies ahead of us? And so I'm, I'm just so excited for that study. But, uh, but today, again, we're wrapping up our series, Jesus Is. And we've been looking at different attributes. We've primarily been camping out in the Gospel of John where Jesus makes some profound statements and lets us know just who he is. He say, says statements like, I am. If you want to know who I am, here's who I am. Jesus would say things like, I am the good shepherd. I am the one who, who gives you guidance, provision, and protection throughout your life. He would say things like, I am the vine. I'm the one who helps you produce good fruit in your life. You stay connected with me. Stay connected to nourishment. Stay to, connected to sustenance in your life. You got to stay plugged in and connected with me and you'll bear much fruit. He'd say things like, I, I am the light of the world. You walk with me, you won't have to walk in, in darkness. He said things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said things like, I am, I am the gate. I open, open the gate for good things in your life, and I close the gate to protect you from certain things. I guide you in life, and our list goes on. But today, we're looking at Jesus' statement as he makes this bold claim, I am the resurrection and the life. And these are all, all things that Jesus came to do and be for us. But one of the greatest things that he came to do and to be for you is your hope. Your hope in this life and your hope beyond this life. So if you're, you got your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to John chapter 11. We're going to be looking at verse 21 to start things off, but we're going to pull them up on the screens in just a minute. But before we go there, here's kind of what's taking place. Uh, John, Jesus ha had some good friends and they're dealing with ultimate loss ultimate loss of hope. Uh, there are two sisters, Mary and Martha, and they have a brother named Lazarus and, and they actually sent word to Jesus to come help Lazarus. He was sick. They knew Jesus could heal him, uh, but Jesus didn't come in time and Lazarus, he, he dies. And any of you who've ever lost anyone, you know the grief that these girls are, are processing and, and living in and they're overwhelmed with grief and they're tormented by questions. And they had 
had sent word to Jesus, but again, it didn't show up in time. Jesus shows up on the scene and, and hope is severely hindered. And here's what we read in John 11, verse 21. It says, this is Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else does on the last day. Now, at this time, many Jews believed in a, in a bodily resurrection from the dead, when it, along with everyone else. And there would be a resurrection from the dead at, at the end of time. And, and then they, everyone would stand before this judgment seat of of God. And so Martha's like, yeah, I know he's going to rise again. It's going to be, be at that time. It's going to be at this, this resurrection when everyone else, right? I know he's going to rise again on the last, the last day. And so Martha, she, she has two kind of hopes. She has a hope that is a hope that would require Jesus to go back into the future to raise up Lazarus from the dead. It's a disappointed hope that didn't find fulfillment. And she also has this hope that's kind of vague kind of fuzzy. She's not really sure. It's, it's way out in the future someplace, sometime. I don't really know what's going to happen, but at some point Lazarus will rise from the dead. And so Martha has these fuzzy hopes, but Jesus comes and he clarifies her hope. Martha, you're hoping in things of the past. Or Martha, you're hoping in things way off in the future. But let me just clarify for you where your hope lies. And he says this, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. And anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And anyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. And here's a good question. Do you believe this? Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she, she told him, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from, from God. And Jesus challenges Martha to, to grow her hope by placing all of her hope in, in him, not in his healing, not in his presence, not in his identity. You see, she, she thought of him as the Messiah, but she didn't know who he fully was or what, what he fully came to do. And he's challenging her to see him as something more than just a good teacher, more than just a healer, more than just a miracle worker. He is her hope. He is life itself. The resurrection is not some far off fuzzy event. It's a person. And Jesus says, I am what you are hoping for, Martha. And I think he just comes to you today and he says, I am what you're hoping for as well. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the reason people can rise up after being knocked down. I am the reason people can rise up even after, after death. And, and every other religious figure who ever lived can only say I was. But it is only Jesus who can come to you today and say, I am. He's alive. And because he's alive, he can bring resurrection power into your situation and circumstance. I am. So the first thing we need to do if we're going to have a better life is to have a stronger hope. And so we just need to step into what, what Jesus does for Martha. And that's to clarify your hope. Clarify your hope. I think if we're honest, sometimes it's the little things in life that just take us dark, can, can take us sideways real quick. I don't know if you've ever dropped an egg on the floor. Maybe you're making breakfast or whatever. You go to crack an egg and it 
falls on the floor. Maybe you have kids in your house, like our, our toddlers. Uh, they thought that it was amazing, like the cause and effect of eggs. They would just take an egg out of the carton and crack. And just big mess everywhere. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but, but check out these guys. They had a, a, a little incident with some eggs. And that's, that's a bad day. That's a bad day whenever you experience, experience that. If your hope is in a, a clean warehouse, their hope is shattered. Uh, here's another picture. I don't know if you've ever forgot to screw on your gas cap, but this guy left the hose in and it didn't break away and it tore through his truck. And so if you, you put your hope in like a new sweet ride, like, ah, hopes get shattered pretty quick. Or uh, maybe you, you have a, a new house and you got some young kids. Maybe you've ever had kids draw and stuff. Well, this dad had his kids draw all over him. And so if you have a hope for an afternoon nap, your hope can get dashed uh, pretty, pretty quickly. But here's what Romans 8, 28 says. It says, and we know, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who, who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. One guy I was reading recently posed this question. He, he says, does God's goodness need a side effects label? Because if we're honest, like sometimes God's goodness, it seems like there's like this fine print to that statement. Like I love that verse. All things work together for good. But, but what's the, is there fine print underneath that? You know, maybe God helps you in that one area, but then you have like 10 other areas that, that seem to fall apart. I don't know if you've never read the, the side effects label on like Tylenol or any kind of medicine that you take, but, but all medicine has to go through a three-phase process before it's FDA approved. And then even with that FDA approval, they have to list all the side effects that could accompany that that medicine. It kind of reminds me of this, this cartoon. Uh, I don't know if you can read this, but it says each capsule, each capsule contains your medicine plus a treatment for each of its side effects. <laughs> I, I, sometimes I'm like, you know what? I think, I think I'll just take the headache. I think I'll just live with a headache today. But if we're honest, sometimes it feels like God's promise for all things working together for good come with a side effects label. And I know some of you are living in that space right now. But God's perspective is different than ours. He, he sees things that, that we don't see. We see what's right in front of us. We just see all the broken eggs. We just see the, the truck that had the, the nozzle ripped through it. But, but God has, he sees a purpose. He sees a plan that's really actually beyond our framework to even comprehend. He's working in your life for your good and for his glory. He's working in us. He's shaping us. He's teaching us to live with hope beyond temporary things that we so often place our hope in. And as we go through life, it seems like we can take some shots, we can take some hits, but whenever we place our ultimate hope in non-ultimate things, it only leads to ultimate disappointment. So here's the question for us today, and it's a question I really want you to consider, and that is, what are you placing your hope in? Right now today, like, where are you placing your hope? Like, what gets you motivated out of bed today? What calls you back after you've been knocked down? 
Is it hope for a fun weekend? Is it hope to never get COVID-19 and live a happy, healthy life? Is it to have a satisfying career? Is it hope to find greater value in, in romance, a greater level of friendship? Is it, is it hope for raising a happy, healthy family? Is it hope for to, to be seen as brilliant and beautiful and talented? Is it a hope for fame or recognition? And all those things we often hope for are, are good things, but they are not ultimate things. So even after you attain them, they'll leave you disappointed because the hopes aren't strong enough to build our lives on. And so what Jesus is saying here, I am your ultimate hope. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Do you believe this? That word resurrection is an interesting word. It's found 42 times in the New Testament or the, the latter part of your Bible. And, it, and it, it refers to a bodily, physical resurrection from the dead. It was Jesus who was, we talked about last week, he was the ultimate sacrifice, the lamb who was slain for us. And he was laid into a tomb. And three days later, he experienced resurrection. He, was, he, he is resurrection power. He came back to life. He was raised to life. From the dead, talks about that. It's one of the, the fundamental components of Christianity. It's one of the key hopes that we anchor ourselves into when times seem tough. There is resurrection available, but it's also interesting uh, to note that this word can also mean to stand again. It can literally mean to stand again. And the tense of the word means to, to, to cause, be caused to stand again. And I think what Jesus is saying here is that I am the resurrection and the life. I am the reason that you can have hope in the future for that last day. But I am also the reason that you can stand in hope this day. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the one who can raise you from whatever situation has knocked you down. I can raise you up from despair that has you trapped. I can raise you up from whatever problems are crushing you. I am the resurrection and I am the life. Even God's name itself that he revealed to to Moses. If you remember uh, last week, we talked about how, how Moses uh, went to this nation of Israel and God sent him to Pharaoh to, to say, hey, let my people go. You guys remember this. In the, the 10th plague we talked about last week, the, the, the sacrifice of a lamb for, so the death angel would, would pass over. But before all that takes place, rewind the tape a little bit and Moses gets this call from God to go do something unthinkable, do something that, that is outside of his frame work to understand. And honestly, anytime God asks you to do something big for him, you're going to feel very inadequate. You're going to feel like, God, maybe, maybe you could choose someone else. But God calls Moses and Moses is like, wait, before I go do this thing, who should I say sent me? And God tells him, tell the people, I am. I am has sent me. I am. It's Louis Giglio, the pastor and, and speaker who writes these words. He says, for every cry, there is one answer. I am. I need help. I am. I need hope. I am. I need a fresh start. I am. Uh, nobody's listening to me. I am. Uh, I don't have a prayer. I am. I can't hold on. I am. My kids deserve more. I am. I'm pouring into others, but who's pouring into me? I am. I've given all I can and, and it's still not even enough. I am. 
I'm tired. I am. I quit. I am. I can't. I am. I need a drink. I am. I need a fix. I am. I need a lover. I am. Somebody just hold me. I am. I am the solution. I am the restorer. I am the builder, the answer, the wise one, the coming one, the mighty one. I am the Lord and there is no other. I am God and there is no one besides me. I am the first. I am the last. I am the alpha. I am the omega. I am the beginning. I am the end. I am. The question is, do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus says. And his first invitation to you today is to clarify your hope. And my suggestion is to place it in the all-powerful I am. Because if you want a better life, we all need a stronger hope. I am is available. Second thing we do is don't shrink from the stink. Don't, Don't shrink from the stink. Uh, how many of you out there have to deal with some stink like in your life this week? Like <laughs> some of you parents of teenagers, you got some stink. Uh, Michael, he's waving his hand over here. He deals with some stink every Tuesday night, hanging out with our students. Uh, he's, he didn't say that I said that. Uh, any of you parents with toddlers, like you deal with stink on a regular basis, newborn babies, stink. But uh, as a parent, I can honestly say like the great, like, and I'm a sympathetic, I've changed diapers. And the stink would be so much like I would start gagging. Like I'm, I, I'm blessed my wife because she had to change a whole lot of diapers. But the worst stink is not even the diapers. And you parents know this. Like where the worst stink is found is when you find those sippy cups that have been rolling around in the back of your car for a few weeks. And you, you find one and as a rookie dad, here's what I would do. I'd pick that puppy up and it's like milk, right? And I'm like, I know it's milk. It probably stinks. But like, this is a $3 sippy cup. So like, I, I got to wash this puppy. And I would make the ultimate mistake and I would crack the seal. And, and as soon as you crack the seal, like, I'm just saying my nostrils will never be the same. That smell, you just, all the veteran parents are like, I'll buy you a sippy cup. Don't crack the seal. It stinks. Like, like here's $3. Do us all a favor. That's a biohazard in that bottle. Don't crack the seal. And that's exactly what's happening on the scene when we come to John chapter 11. Jesus declared, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And he marches over to the tomb where his friend Lazarus lies dead. In John eleven thirty nine, 39, he says this, roll the stone away, crack the seal. Jesus told Martha, the dead man's sister protested, Lord, (laughs) don't do it. He's been in there for four days. And this is an interesting uh, detail to note because uh, Jews believe that the spirit of a dead body would hover around the body for three days. And so Martha's telling Jesus like, hey, not only is he, he dead, like he's dead, dead. Like there is no hope for this guy. He's four days dead. Like his spirit's not even around him. And here's, here's what you also need to know. It will smell terrible. <laughs> the King James version puts it, he stinketh. <laughs> you can use that this week with your, your kids or people around you. Like you stinketh. You need to just go. You stinketh. Four days dead. He stinketh. Martha says, don't, don't crack the seal. It's a lost cause. 
And my encouragement to you is what Jesus encouraged Martha. Don't shrink from the stink. Here's what Jesus said in John eleven forty. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. Anybody out there want to see the glory of God? Want to see the glory of God in your family? See the glory of God where you work? See the glory of God in your friendships? See the glory of God in your life personally? Well, the good news is that you can. You can see it happen if you don't shrink from the stink. A little of God's glory in your family goes a long way, but let Jesus crack the seal and open what he wants to open even the tombs in your life and in your heart. For some of you, that might mean forgiving someone who's hurt you a long time ago. And maybe, maybe years have passed, but, but you just sealed it away. And you know it stinks. You don't want to open it back up. But let's offer forgiveness. Don't shrink from the stink. Or maybe for others, you, your best next step is to jump into a recovery program because you know what you're dealing with. No one else knows it. But you know what you battle. And because you're like, if I let anybody in, it stinks. What will they think of me? Uh, the shame I might have to endure. What? Don't shrink from the stink. There's freedom on the other side. Or maybe it's, it's opening the door to a relationship and, and getting back into groups this fall. Listen, freedom's always found in context of community. And maybe you've been burned before. Some of our deepest hurts have come from other people. But I'm just saying more than anything else, God uses people to bring about healing from our deepest hurts, habits, and hangups. Don't shrink from the stink. Join a group, get plugged in this fall. Maybe it means you get back into to Bible study and to praying and maybe attending church again after somebody else in church has offended you. Like, like don't shrink from the stink. Whatever hurts you the most in life is where you need hope the most. And this is where Jesus wants to meet you. So don't shrink from the stink. Perhaps today, like Martha, you're saying, God, I can't open that. I can't, I can't crack the seal because it stinks so bad. But maybe Jesus wants to remind you, I am the resurrection. I am the life. If you let me in, you will see the glory of God. My power is still made perfect in your weakness. Don't shrink from the stink. Perhaps the Holy Spirit is prompting you now, crack the seal, let me in because I can bring resurrection to that area of your life. And if you want a better life, we need a stronger hope. And so lastly, we respond to God's call. We respond to God's call. We clarify our hope. We don't shrink from the stink. We respond to God's call. John eleven forty three through 44 says this. Uh, Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped with head cloth. And notice the first thing that happens here is that, that God called Lazarus to come out. He calls him to stand and he causes him to stand. It's, one commentator noted that, that he spe specifically called Lazarus because he was just called, hey, come out. Like it'd been like walking dead, all these people, all these zombies like walking around. But here comes Lazarus. It is, it is his grave grave clothes and comes out, gets, up, gets back in the game. This is important because a lot of people will tell you that, that hope is all about personal effort or willpower. Things, this, those things are good. Like I, I'm a fan. I read those books. I, I believe in it. But they're not where the hope is found. 
You see, Lazarus could not raise himself up. He was dead. Four days dead, in fact. And all hope was lost and nothing could bring him back. And friends, that's where our sin takes us. We're lost in our sins, unable to rise up again, unable to connect with God. But Jesus steps in and he calls us. He draws us, invites us to himself and breathes new life into our dead situations. And here, here's the best part. Here's my favorite words in the whole story. Uh, John eleven forty four. 44, Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Unwrap him and let him go. And I don't know what you hope for, but this is Jesus' ultimate hope for you, to call you out of whatever tomb has you trapped and to say, let him go. Let, let her go. Unwrap her. Let her go. Set her free. That's what it means when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He's the one who turns dead ends into new beginnings. And no matter where you are today, you can know God. You can grow in freedom. Show your purpose. Go change the world. Unwrap him and let him go. You know what's interesting? Richard Rohr, he notes this. He says, the gospel never recorded Jesus having a single prerequisite for any of his healings. No, no affiliation with the right group, no moral worthiness, no attendance to the right temple, no purity codes, nothing except desire itself. I'm just saying he can turn your dead ends into a new beginnings. And all you have to do is respond to his call. And just, just in case God's calling some of you today, maybe you've been trying to make it for so long on your own. Maybe you feel like all my hopes, my dreams have fallen on disappointed, dark times. Don't give up because God hasn't given up on you. Maybe you've been trying and no amount of effort seems to get it right. And that's because you need to respond to his call. Perhaps God is shouting to you today, come out, loosen, let her go. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, I'm gentle and humble at heart. I'm never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. And friends, you don't have to go back to the future to find hope. You don't have to zoom out 30 years to find hope. Because Jesus is not simply a someday hope. He's not a last day hope. He is a this day kind of hope. He's the reason you can stand again. You just need to respond to his call. Every other Spiritual leader in history can only say I was, but Jesus comes today to say I am. And wherever you need help, he's strong enough for you to build your life on and he's offering you fresh hope today. Let's pray. Well, God, we thank you for being our hope, not just for yesterday, not just for tomorrow, but hope for right here, right now. You are the great I am. So God, I pray right now you'd be ministering to people as they listen to this, meeting their deepest needs, inviting them to open up the tomb, to crack the seal, that they wouldn't shrink from the stink, they'd have courage to step in, that they might see your glory and experience your resurrection power today in their present pain and situations they're facing in life. As you continue to pray, you know, maybe some of you just need to respond to God's call and, and accept him as the leader and the forgiver of your life. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord 
You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you can be saved. And that's not something we can initiate on our own. That's something that God has to prompt your heart to do. So maybe you're watching this. You feel like, man, my heart's about to jump out of my chest. I know I need to go all in with Jesus. If that's you today, I just invite you to begin that journey with God by saying a simple prayer like this. Say, God, I know I've blown it. I've made mistakes. But God, I know what you did on the cross, paid the penalty for my sins so my account balance could be brought to zero. And you didn't just stay in a grave, God. You rose again because you are the resurrection and the life. And so God, today I'm asking you to come into my life and bring new life to me. God, I want, I want to be born again. I want to start over. Give me a fresh start, a new beginning. Today, Jesus, I surrender to you. In your name I pray, amen. Well, hey, if that was your response today, you're responding to God's call, man, we want to celebrate with you. Uh, we do have some resources we'd love to get into your hands. And so you could just text us at 408-944-5402. Uh, that's 408-944-5402. Or you could email us at info at centralsj.org. Or you could go onto our website and fill out a digital connection card and just click that box. Uh, I want to follow Jesus. Or if there's anything we can pray with you about, there's options there. Uh, but I just want you to know, man, we are celebrating with you. God is so for you. He is a hope that you can build your life on. Not just a, a today hope, not just a tomorrow hope, but an everyday kind of hope for your life. And that's who Jesus is.